0: Hello there, everybody. Welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream. It is Thursday, August 11th, 2022. I am Aaron Schatz, the editor in chief of Football Outsiders. Hello there, I would everybody. like to welcome all of you watching live right now on YouTube and Twitch. Please don't forget to give us your questions and comments in the discussion thread. Hello also to everybody listening after the fact on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and like it and tell your friends about it. Tell all your friends, uh, we talk football here on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And make sure if you don't have it yet to get your copy of Football Outsiders Almanac 2022. Mike's got his copy right there and one behind him. He's got two copies. You can get it at Amazon or the online version by going to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Uh, before we talk about the two teams we're going to cover today, we're welcoming Mike, Mike Tanier back again, and then Carl Yedor making his initial podcast appearance, and hopefully I pronounced your last name correctly. Close enough. Uh, he did the San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals in this year's book, and so those are the teams we're going to discuss, but first we just wanted to take a couple of minutes to bandy about. Preseason week one, which starts tonight. Are you excited? The Bailey Zappi and Davis Webb experience on NFL <laughs> Network.
1: Are you really excited for Bailey Zappi? No, not really. <laughs> <For> <laughs>
0: Zappi, honestly, no. I mean, uh, I, you know, Bailey Zappi will be in the pocket. and They won't rush him too bad because it's the preseason and he'll probably look very good.
1: Very good, McCall, you're ready for the Drew Locke, Geno Smith experience, aren't you?
0: Yeah, I mean, between Locke,
2: Smith, and their opponents in the Steelers with uh, Rudolph, Trubisky, and Kenny Pickett, it is just going to be an extravaganza of just excellent quarterback play on
1: Saturday. That is preseason porn. Preseason porn is two quarterback controversies going on at the same time. Yeah. Really into it, you're really into it. Those who know, know. That's going to be a heck of a game. I'm going to be watching that, too, here in Philly. One thing I've noticed, if you guys have been watching the the, the reports coming, a lot of starters playing this week. The Colts are yeah, playing. Yeah, I
0: them. have noticed that. Like, a few more teams than recent years have been kind of public about the idea that they are going to play their starters for a quarter.
1: Yep. Colts are playing their starters. Commanders are playing their starters. Obviously, the Browns are playing their starters. Some other teams. Uh, uh, McDaniel said today that, you know, Tua will play in the preseason. He didn't say how much. It is. It's a pendulum swing, and I, and I can't put my finger on why it's why it's changed so suddenly in the last year. The um,
0: Seattle-Pittsburgh game, I believe, is on NFL Network. Uh, one of the like seven or eight games that they have live. They have um, they have Patriots-Giants tonight, but actually, if you're in New York or New England, and your local stations are showing Patriots-Giants, you will actually get Tennessee-Baltimore on
1: NFL Network, which means the Malik Willis experience. Well, I'm looking at the Friday schedule. T- tonight you got two okay preseason games, Malik Willis. Uh, Friday at 6, if you've got NFL Plus, you can watch all these. You're going to get the Falcons and the Lions. So you get to hear Dan Campbell goof off and things like that. But you get to see Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter for the Falcons. Uh, you know, Browns, Jaguars, probably an acquired taste later on. Eagles and Jets, Jalen Hurts will play. We might see a little bit of uh, uh, A.J. Smith there. 8.30, you got 49ers we're about to talk about in the Packers. We're probably going to see some Jordan Love in that game. 7 o'clock, excuse me, what time is it? Oh, Saturday at 1, Chiefs-Bears. If you're wondering who Justin Fields is going to throw to, that's going to be going on, and if you can watch them simultaneously, Panthers at Commanders, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz. There is a ton of craziness this weekend. I don't think I'm going to leave, leave my office. I'm going to be watching preseason games. All weekend long. I mentioned this before.
0: Uh, It was surprising to me how many of the preseason games this year are interconference. Normally, teams play teams from the other conference, but there's like Green Bay San Francisco, and there's Carolina Washington, and there's Cleveland Jacksonville. And there's a number of these where you play a team in your own conference, and a number of games where teams are traveling a lot. Like, not usually you play the West Coast teams, play the West Coast teams, right? Like, these right. teams play the East Coast teams. But, like, the fact that Cleveland is flying down to Jacksonville and the fact that Seattle is flying all the way to Pittsburgh is just like a little strange.
1: Yeah. In the past, I think that those were made for TV games. Those aren't the case this time. It's also not a case where a team has a strange training camp location, like the Cowboys would go to right. Thousand Oaks in the past. Teams used to come up to West Virginia in the past to be at the Greenbrier, so you might get a Saints-Washington game or something like that in the preseason because it's regional. I don't know who came up with these combinations. But, again, I'm happy to see them because sometimes you're seeing two teams with quarterback controversies or rookie quarterbacks playing against each other. One more thing, Joey Sucks is asking about other Malik uh, Willis props tonight. Joey, I looked. I actually looked. I actually looked for there, – there are none, but – help me, help me. I look for more. So <laughs> like 10 in the morning, I was looking for him.
2: There's a, uh, if you go to underdog pick uh, you can put Malik as part of a, a slip there. If you're uh, underdog pick them. So we're if food. you have underdog fantasy and have access to pick them in your state, um, you can do over, under 14 and a half rushing yards, 85 and a half passing yards or seven and three quarters fantasy points.
0: Carl, coming through with the Malik Willis props
1: for tonight. Our former sponsor, Underdog. Once in future sponsor. I love it. Thank you. I'm going to let you guys talk. I'm going to go uh, reactivate my account.
0: That's great. That's awesome. Well, uh, that'll be the big game tonight. And then I guess there's one game on Sunday, which is Minnesota at Las Vegas, which for being the only game doesn't sound that exciting. I mean, you know, maybe they play a little bit of their star. There's no real controversies on either of those rosters.
1: The, the Ravens are 87 and 0 in preseason.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's interesting tonight, right? <laughs> Will the Ravens actually lose in the preseason ever?
1: Right, right. What a what a thing to try and hang your hat on. But that that is a streak. People are keeping their eye on that. Uh, again, I'm I'm here for Willis. I guess I'm here for Bailey Zappi. I'm here for the. Patriots local television. Actually, no, that's a national game. So we won't hear the. Oh, Patriots. no, but I
0: think it's national. I think they broadcast the local. I think they broadcast the, one of the local teams. I think my guess is it'll actually be either the Patriots guys or the Giants
1: guys, but I don't know which. All right. So we'll get to hear Scott Zolak tell us. No, Pat, Matt Patricia, and Joe Judge. Are-
0: Everything <laughs> is wonderful. Everything <laughs> is
1: wonderful.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. The Patriots are a different show, but, uh, I'm worried. If you're worried about the Patriots, read Mike's column today at the end of the Patriots way because it's not looking good in Foxborough right now. Usually everything that comes out of camp is like super happy uh, for every team. and Definitely not for the
1: Patriots. I've never heard like Tom Karen and Mike Reese and Greg Bedard and these guys in the mood they were in earlier in the week. Got a little better on Tuesday, but I've, I had to write that because I've never heard – those guys sort of. Uh, this negative. Yeah. And shaky about the, the team's uh, prospects. The uh, Let's talk about our two
0: teams from the NFC West. Our question of the day has to do with the San Francisco 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. Here is the question the poll for people who are watching the show live. Do you think Jimmy Garoppolo in week one will be cut, will be traded? or will still be on the 49ers roster when we get to week one. What do you guys think?
1: I got one question right now. What's going on with Tom Brady?
0: He's got personal issues. He needs I mean, to leave the team for a personal issue.
1: It's not I, medical, I, it's personal. I'm, I'm simultaneously worried that this is something serious in like the family, but also they said it was pre-planned, so that doesn't sound like that. Right. So, I, I don't know. So let's put that aside and say Garoppolo won't wind up going in there and being Brady's backup, which we all know that they get along swell and everybody will be happy with that. My thought is that he, that Garoppolo gets traded the moment a quarterback gets injured.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, that's so what
1: everybody thinks. I think we just don't know if that will happen. Right. It's going to be like they're, look, they're looking for the Sam Bradford trade, the old Sam yeah. Bradford to the Vikings trade. Now, the question, if that's the case, it's probably more likely to be a week one. Because the quarterback's got to get hurt, which means the quarterback's got to play. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so he
0: you, you think it's likely he's still on the roster in week one and he gets traded in weeks two, three, four, sometime like that? That's Not what- that
1: somebody goes down in the preseason and that he gets traded. But now I don't know because, you know, Matt Ryan's going to play and, and some of these other guys are going to play. So, you, you know, that brings up the question. But I feel like we're not going to know. We're It's going to be very close to Labor Day if we actually find something out because they're the, the, the 49ers are going to be very patient and they're going to wait for somebody to get a little nervous and throw more on the table than you would expect for Jimmy Garoppolo.
2: Yeah, I don't think they cut him. I mean, they don't really have to. Like, they yeah. already have the money available for the budget. Like – they need to move money around to create room for some unexpected acquisition. They can, but um, they're already effectively just icing them out from the rest of the operation. So it's not like they need to cut them to get them out of the quarterback room. So it's just when does the trade partner show up, as Mike is alluding to here.
0: Todd Singer in the discussion says, Deshaun Watson gets a year suspension, Jimmy G to Cleveland. Yeah.
1: Which a lot of people have suspected is sort of, that they've probably already talked about it as a possibility. But man, the moving parts on that. And again, the 49ers sitting there like, "Uh huh, what are you giving us? A little more, a little more, a little for the Browns who don't have a lot to give at this point. And then how are we working the money out? Because you guys are kind of extended in terms of both cash and cap. So I could see it, but it's it's easier to say on a talk show than it is to put the Right, to put the
0: actual moving parts, especially with the Cleveland budget. You're right, Cleveland's pretty maxed out, and right. they don't nice. have a lot of top picks to trade
1: because they traded them in the Deshaun Watson deal, right? Right, and you got to sell to your fans after all this. We're trading more picks to solve the problem that we saw by trading the picks to get the scuzz ball, you know. Yeah. And after a while, that that's that's hard to sell management, hard to sell the fans, it might be hard to sell even in the locker room.
0: So the 49ers are – I mean, they don't come out this way in uh, the projections because the projections don't have a, like, hey, rookie quarterbacks are unpredictable and therefore make the swings wider, like, variable. But, like, let's be honest. Like, the San Francisco 49ers probably have the widest range of possibilities of any team this year because we just have no idea what we're going to get out of Trey Lance. And so their projection, we have their projection a little bit above average. We have them as a pretty average team overall with a little bit of an easy schedule. But mostly it's just like their defense comes out a little above average. I actually think their defense is probably going to be a little better than this, although they are already struggling with injuries at cornerback. Tavarius Ward is out for two weeks. So, like, the injuries are already coming at their weakest position. Yeah. And Jason Verrett, like, Lord knows if he'll ever play again. no. um, No. Guy. The offense is yeah. a who knows. The offense
1: is like, who knows? Who knows? You know, I almost went in the opposite direction with this team in terms of Trey Lance will somewhere be somewhere between below Garoppolo and above Garoppolo. And the offense is going to be designed for the running game and the yak game. And so it's going to come in at a certain level. And the defense is going to be pretty good. And it kind of, unless we see Patrick Mahomes, I don't think we're going to see it. Or unless we see a disaster, I don't think we're going to see that. We're going to see nine and eight or 10 yeah. and seven. And, you know, I, I, I'm kind of slotted in there with the 49ers. So you actually don't think there's that wide a variety because you're not expecting the
0: really, really good and you're not expecting the really, really bad.
1: Yeah. No. And, and Car- Carly, do you hear more out of the Niners camp? It's, it seems like very meh about Lance. Like he's not doing great, but nobody's worried. That's kind of the. the...
2: Yeah. I mean,. Uh heading into like mini camp OTA George Kittle was a big fan of how Lance was performing. They're saying nice things about his talent. Uh, when Shanahan has talked publicly about Lance, it's not like he's going over the top to say is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen, <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't uh, put it past them. If they're trying to like hold things or hide things a little bit, just because it's going to be different looking, obviously we got a little bit of a preview of what it would look like last year, particularly down the stretch against the Texans, but with an extra offseason in the building, I wouldn't be surprised if the offense is a little more expansive over what Lance was already doing in year one, yeah. which realistically, I mean, it's not like he was just a rookie. He was coming out of the FCS after not playing except for one game the year before, uh, coming into a locker room filled with veteran players that were trying to make a big playoff run. Um, it's very, very unlikely that he's worse than he was last year and against the Texans he showed Flashes of being a pretty solid quarterback.
1: Yeah. A lot of what I saw also from him is like the 120 mile an hour fastball that would glance off the hand and like you talk about like a correctable flaw. It's like you can teach somebody to take a little off the fastball and the settle and the game slows down and they settle down. It'd be different if it wasn't getting there in time. So there were a lot of things I thought were positives for him. It's just a matter of where his ceiling might be for his career is one place, it's where his ceiling is for 2022. I can't imagine that we're going to be talking about him any more than, oh, he's took the step and he's like one of the 15 best quarterbacks in the NFL.
0: I will also point out that there are other issues on the San Francisco offense. Their offensive line, they're yeah. replacing yeah. Alex Mack with a guy who was a street free agent three years ago, Jake Brendel. Yes. They have a fourth round rookie named Spencer Burford penciled in at right guard right now. Uh, Aaron Banks, uh, was a rookie last year and I don't think played and now he's the left guard, but he was a second round pick. So you do expect good things out of him. Uh, But there are questions about the offensive line. And of course, I mean, the good thing about Lance is if Lance feels a lot of pressure, he should be the kind of quarterback who can perform under pressure because he can get out of the pocket and he can make things happen and he can scramble.
1: Right. In the running game, you can use him as the extra blocker by creating option things, and you know having him keep the backside. There's a lot of things you can do with that. I'm just looking at their depth chart now, and it looks like the right guard is named Kiefer Sutherland. That can't be right.
0: Sutherland is the backup right guard.
1: I loved him in 24.
0: Yeah, they right guard the current R-lads draft. uh, The current R-lads depth chart lists three rookie right guards: Uh, Uh Burford, and then Sutherland, who's a a college free agent, and then Nick Zakelj, who is a sixth round pick, who's a Czech last name. Is that Czech? And
2: Daniel Brunskill's around. I think
0: Zakelj is that's Czech. When you end with a J, I think that's Czech. I know what he's getting. Here's picked. your Czech money. Hey! I keep finding uses <laughs> for this. <laughs> Turning it to the defense, right, there. There, I think there is a little bit of a question about edge rusher opposite Nick Bosa, but they do have Ebukam and they do have Charles Omenahu, who they got from Houston halfway through last year, and the second-round rookie, Drake Jackson. So, one, you know, between those three guys, I think you have a good non-Bosa rotation. They have great off-ball linebackers. Like we can argue about whether it was analytically smart for them to sign Fred Warner to such a great contract, but he is a good player. Yeah, and drew a uh, Dre Greenlaw back from uh, injury, and then the guy who I think is mispronouncing his own name, Aziz Alshire.
1: How is it supposed to be?
0: Alshire. It does not. Alshire does not sound Arabic to me. It's Al If there's two A's, he's Hobbit. He's not. Um, And uh, the questions are in the secondary, right? Because, like I said, Ward is injured, and they think they're counting on Verrett, which dream on. And strong safety right now is supposed to be a guy who was a fifth-round rookie last year, although he is on our prospects list. But Tala Noah Hafanga is the starting strong safety next to Jimmy Ward. So the secondary is really where the question marks come in about the San Francisco team.
2: Yeah, I mean, Bosa and Armstead cover up a lot of problems up front. And yeah. they Kinlaw back is very nice. Yeah, for sure. Um, they create better matchups for everybody else. So, like, the Chris Kisurek school of defensive line uh, skill uh, can continue to flourish and turn out players that, like, were more or less journeymen. Like, whether that's Kerry Heider a couple years ago where he kind of bounced around and got a good contract and now he's back. Um, I believe they picked up Komoko Toure,
0: if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Um, they go deep, actually. I didn't yeah. realize, looking at their roster right now, that they go kind of deep at that non-BOSA yeah. uh, edge russell. Yeah, a lot something. of dudes. Yeah, there's a lot so of guys can, that, are, that are reasonable guys that are not like street rookies.
2: Yeah, so they can cycle those guys through, and then BOSA will attract all the attention, so they get favorable matchups and can clean up for sacks pretty effectively.
1: Right. And they can rotate guys. I don't know which Drake Jackson this is because during the course of his college career, he went from a small speed edge rusher to a power rusher. I think it's more of the power rusher. But having him in there, I think he's an intriguing prospect. He's going to be really good in that rotation. And like you said, you got Kinlaw and you got Armstead up the middle. That that takes that takes pressure off the second edge guy. okay? because that pocket is going to be collapsing from within and there'll be spillover sacks and stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, like, regression to past years built into the projection, but I do think that San Francisco's defense is going to be better than 14th, even with the problems in the secondary, because their front seven is just really solid. And I think they'll be hard to run on, too. Yeah. Yeah, they play like their hair's on fire,
2: and they uh, cause a lot of havoc while the way. So.
1: They're going to be hard to run on. They're going to run the ball probably well if they can figure out the interior offensive line. They're going to get yak. It's, it's, it's a, again, so you you put all this stuff together. It's like, well, that gets you to your wild card conversation, especially in the NFC. Now get us up there in the Rams Packers tier. And like, you have to say, I would take
0: Lance having the Patrick Mahomes year.
1: Yeah. And it's like, I can't get there with, because there's not enough evidence to support that. And so here we are in the wild card world. Uh, you have some props for us on San Francisco? I do. And, like, I sort of undercut them by what I'm saying there. Uh, anyone want? Now, again, these are alternate props available at your major, uh, 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 you know, sports books online. So if you look at the alternate win totals, you'll see these and you usually get good payouts as a result. Is anyone interested in the 49ers over 11 wins at plus, plus 175?
0: That is not high enough for me.
1: Fair enough. Sounds like that's not high enough for you either, right, Carl?
0: Nope.
1: Okay. Me either, and I'm not enough of a disbeliever, but let's see here what you guys think. 49ers under 9 at plus 175. Well, our simulation would actually suggest that that's a good value.
0: Yeah. Because, I mean, even if you sort of unconservativize our mean wins and make it more like a 9.1 or a 9.2 – that still suggests that there's an almost 50% chance of them going under that. And that would suggest plus 175 is a good bet. And I know that ESPN's projections have them even lower than our projections because they're even more disbelieving of Lance than we are. Hmm. Their feeling is when you have a rookie who has no, I mean, now he's not a rookie, but when you have a quarterback with no track record, you generally
1: fade. them. Yeah. If it was nine and a half, I think I'd jump. I want nine and eight. I don't want the push at nine. Um, Although I guess that gives you a little bit of uh, insulation. Uh, I think at plus
0: 175, I actually think that that's good value.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm not touching it, but Aaron likes it. Carl, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I'd be more inclined to go under there. Um, Just given that you have the plus 175, that's not even saying it's um, 50-50, that it has to happen for it to be good value.
1: So I'm with it. Here's some individual bets. Debo. Over 10.5 regular season rushing and receiving touchdowns. Over 10.5 touchdowns for Debo Samuel, but at just plus 115.
0: Oh, that's that means, you know, that's a basically a 50 50 right there. A little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Um, he had 14 touchdowns last year,
1: mm-hmm.
2: eight on the ground. And but only six of those eight were. Good. Yeah, and six of those eight rushing touchdowns are for 10 yards out or more. Yes. Um, now, a lot of Debo's run plays end up with him getting the ball outside where it's easier to have like big explosive runs than if you're grinding between the tackles. And we know he doesn't really want to do that because yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't want to shorten his career because of injury or anything like that. Um, so while he may be the kind of player with the kind of usage that would lead him to overperforming his expected touchdowns, I wouldn't say that you want to bank on getting six 10-plus-yard rushing touchdowns from a wide receiver again.
0: Brian so. Knowles is not on the over 10.5 touchdowns because he is buying the Brandon Ayuk breakout year, quote, like a moron.
1: Ah, I, 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 I'm, I'm bullish on, on uh, Ayuk. You know who else is getting a lot of uh, buzz out of that camp? Trey Sermon. Right, remember running back Trey Sermon who disappeared. Remember yeah, Trey the- Sermon? Yeah. So there's a you know, again, when they're doing a running back rotation at the goal line, and if you're wondering, hey, maybe we'll get three or four rushing touchdowns short from Debo, probably not. They're gonna get somebody in there. It could be Sermon. I would want plus one fifty or something like that, to like that Debo bet. Uh it's nothing like those Jamar Chase bets yesterday, which I wanted to jump all over. Uh last one. 49ers to be the NFC number one seed, but at plus 1,100.
2: Huh. (laughs) Depends on how much we're putting on it, right? I mean, like, I wouldn't throw much on it, but, like, if you're betting on the bowl case with Lance, uh, the Buccaneers have a lot of offensive line injuries, so while they should be a clear favorite in that division, I wouldn't be – shocked if they underperform a little bit at least initially given the uncertainty there um the rams have for whatever reason struggled with uh the 49ers it's the whole rock paper scissors thing with the old rams seahawks and 49ers trio um so maybe that hurts uh i mean you got green bay maybe they take a step back without Devonte adams like you can talk yourself into it and at those, those odds i don't mind
0: but yeah. Plus 1,100 means that you think it's going to happen one out of every 12 times.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah.
0: Right? Right. I'm looking up how often they actually won the number one seed in our season simulation.
1: Okay, that's good. Now, of course, we're, we have them at Super Bowl champs 2.7, which is not one out of 12. That's one out of... Uh, they oh my- won
0: the number one seed 5.8% of the time. That's one out of 20. They would need to win 8.3%
1: of the time to make that bet a good value. Right. Right. So it doesn't look good, but if you are, again, if you are bullish on the Trey Lance experience and you're looking for some fun with a $10 or a, uh, you know, 200 check Beardo bet, you could do worse than taking that one because you're right. You can make that argument. If you talk about the other contenders all have their issues you know, you can see a couple of Seahawks wins put right in place, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah. Seth Dunbar is surprised we have them 14th on defense. Like I said, uh, I would expect their defense is going to be a little better, but it has to do with the question marks in the secondary and a little bit of yeah. regression to past years' expectation. Uh, but I would expect their defense to be a little bit better than this. I I, 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 I think we
1: have them too low on defense. I do. Yeah. So, uh, but the A team I don't. Sorry, what? You put them at like 10th or 11th, and I feel a little bit more comfortable. But I wouldn't go higher. They they lost guys and they've got holes, like you said.
0: Yeah. Um, A team I don't feel we're too high on defense, or or sorry, that we're too low on defense, even though we have their defense collapsing, is the Arizona Cardinals. That's the other team we want to talk about today. And this is our big. This is the big team that we have lower than conventional wisdom across the entire league, other than Cleveland, which is only lower than conventional wisdom because we're presupposing a season-long suspension for Watson. This is like our big underplay, I think. Um, And mostly it's their offense is rated about what their offense has been rated the last couple years. I know that that sounds surprising. But the way their offense has collapsed over the last few games of the season the last couple of years, their offense has been very average for the whole year. It's their defense that we see collapsing, plus the hardest schedule in the league, although if you remember from yesterday's show, that's dependent on the Watson suspension. If the Watson suspension is only six games, the Cardinals no longer have the hardest schedule in the league and have the Bengals do. If the Watson suspension is for the entire season – now the Cardinals have the hard schedule. Either way, the Cardinals have a hard schedule.
1: Yes, hard schedule. A lot of great skill position talent that we don't know who's going to be available when. Now we have Marquise Brown facing some problems. We know we're going to be without Nuke Hopkins for six games, and a defense that I don't even know where to begin with. In terms it's of it's
0: a great coaching job. Like the fact is, Vance yeah. Joseph has done an amazing coaching job to coach mm-hmm. these players. To a top 10 performance in dvoa over the last couple of years but first of all there are some statistical indicators that are negative about their defense like the fact that they were very high in takeaways like the fact that they were very strong in short yardage run runs which tends to regress pretty heavily from year to year sure. and then there's the players who left and the like just look at the roster like just look at the roster and tell me that looks like a top 10 defense to you it does not Antonio yeah. Hamilton is a second-year undrafted free agent, and he is a starting quarterback.
1: Right. You have Buddha Baker. You have what's left of J.J. Watt, who will give you probably eight or nine really, really good games and lots of like uh, dramatic poses. Uh, and then you got a lot. Of, I mean, you got some guys who can play a little bit, and Marcus Golden can play a little bit. There's some other guys, but just there's a little bit of a "Who are these guys?" for a, a lot of them along the way. And you know, I I look forward to my weekly what's Isaiah Simmons doing now uh, uh, article that crosses my desk. Like, oh, he's a safety now. He's an edge rusher. Traditional off-ball linebacker. We found the position for him. And I think they'll find – it's going to be a uh, – what do you call it? A, a, a Riddick, Hassan Riddick situation. They will find the position for him just in time for him to go to free agency and end up someplace else. From what
0: I've read, it's slot corner.
1: But oh. he's covering
0: the slot a lot.
2: Oh, so, I mean, uh, maybe. I mean, Byron Murphy fits best in the slot as opposed to outside. So if Simmons is in the slot, that probably bumps Murphy back outside, which I guess when you have Hamilton out there corner, that may not be the worst thing in the world. But, I mean, last year, like especially after Watt went down, the defense was Chandler Jones, Buda Baker, uh, a couple other guys like Golden and Zach Allen, who had a quietly pretty solid year as an interior defensive lineman. But it's those guys and then Vance Joseph creating chaos. They blitz a ton. Uh, They send DBs on the rush a lot more than league average. So, uh, But not necessarily always in the form of sending five or six, though they did that a lot as well. So it's just create as much chaos as they can on the back end to hopefully cover up for some of the deficiencies there. And now you lost Chandler Jones, who I don't know if you can really call him underrated, given that he made the all-pro team multiple times in Arizona. But, like... Maybe he gets overshadowed by Aaron Donald being in the same division, but he is an excellent player as an edge rusher.
1: If Isaiah yeah. C- Collins is still a slot corner when he has to face Cooper Cup, Debo, George Kittle in the slot, they're going to they're going to destroy him. They're just going to look like we like we can match up this guy fifty different ways in the division alone and obliterate and vaporize this young man. He's not a slot corner.
0: You, you do not think that is the right way to use Isaiah Simmons, huh?
1: I, 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 and I guess, you know, if I say, well, he's a will linebacker, and a lot of times there's a similarity of uh, things like that. But it's like the state of mind that says, oh, you know what? Hi, I'm Sean McVay. I'm just going to motion Cooper Cup into the slot and see who's covering him. That's going to be 375 receiving yards in a game. i <laughs> the main thrust of the chapter or a lot of it was
0: about whether they should pay kyler murray and after we published the book they paid kyler murray and old heady 403 asks whether the kyler murray contract was fitting in our eyes or was he overpaid because 230 million is a lot of money i
2: mean it's kind of the going rate I mean, the quarterback market isn't necessarily rational. It's just, okay, this guy's up, therefore he's getting more money unless he's very clearly below the other guys that are coming up for that. And when you're in the building, it's not surprising if they're kind of talking themselves into things. Like clearly they have talked themselves into this version of the roster. Like they have James Conner back on a hefty contract. They gave Ertz uh, real money, Zach Ertz um they decided that the guys that they had for the most part other than marquise brown they wanted to roll with on offense they just extended dj Humphreys, um so they may feel like he's the guy and that's why he's getting paid that much to this point in his career i don't know if he's there but he is in some good company based on some of the comps that we put together for the book through his first three years
1: given all the Evidence that they're not 100% sold with him, starting with Homework Gate, which I'm glad happened when I wasn't around. That was weird. That was weird. Then we have this whole thing with the, okay, Kyler, if you're so good at it, you call plays thing that him and Kingsbury got into in the sideline, which I never heard anything like that that was told to us by the coach, like it was some sort of like punishment for the player. Uh, You know, and, and just given all of that. The option of just waiting a year and getting another year of him and then seeing or even waiting to October and putting an extension on the table, based on the mindset of the Cardinals, not necessarily my mindset, it would have made sense to do those things and said, hey, you know what, if we have to use the franchise tag in the future or the rookie contract, let's do that. Made more sense than putting $230 million in front of him when you're simultaneously saying, hey, oh, by the way, could you get a tutor or something like that? It's not – You talk about an irrational market. It's an irrational market, Carl. It's an irrational decision at that point to to pay the money that you don't seem like you're comfortable paying.
0: The money was supposed to make the drama go away. (laughs) And it did not. Really? (laughs) I mean, my, my basic take on this, and I think we did this on the show when he signed the contract, is, you know, the classic, there's three kind of quarterbacks, the win because of, the win with, and the win despite. And I know that we're projecting the Cardinals to have a losing record, but I still think Kyler Murray is in the win-because-of tier. He's the lowest guy in that tier, Yes. but he's in that tier. And when you have a guy in that tier, you have to pay him the going rate for quarterbacks because he's a guy who can lift your team to wins. And how many of those guys are there? Like nine or ten. And you've got to pay one if you have them. So – I think it was the right move, but you're right. It it's it makes, it's weird given the way the Cardinals have treated him and the weird soap opera that's gone on around this guy.
1: It's a win because of quarterback with a win despite head coach in front office potentially. <laughs> uh, and that might be what we're looking at here. Because I first thought when I saw all of this going on is the guys, Kingsbury and Kime, who both voted themselves new contracts, Gave themselves new contracts sight unseen after last season, which I think most of us would consider a disappointment. Are suddenly the ones asking for accountability. I want to see some accountability from them. Yeah. You know, like, like you said, Carl, like, oh, we're rolling with this roster. Are you? Did you? Is this some crowning success for Steve Kime, this roster? Is this some crowning success for how the culture is being built from Cliff Kingsbury right now that December comes and this team, like, oh my God, New Hopkins isn't here? Let's, let's suck, you know? Where is where where is your sign that you guys are doing things the right way? Blake Murphy
0: is watching. Hello, Blake, uh, who covers the Cardinals and says the Cardinals issue is stemming from the fact they couldn't avoid paying Murray after they had already extended Kingsbury and Kine and the owner likes each one individually. But do they work together well? And I think that's the weird question. Part of it is about uh, part of it is this weird Kingsbury second half decline thing that nobody can figure out why it happens, even though it goes back to Texas Tech. Yeah, so it's not particularly related to the Cardinals and it, it could just be random chance, right? It, yeah I don't remember exactly what the whole Wyatt Earp effect de- is defined as, but basically it's the idea that if you know if you roll dice enough times, if, if you roll a die six times, Eventually, you're going to have it show up one six times in a row, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's that's right. the thing, right? So it's not nece- It could just be random chance that all his teams decline in the second half, but it sure looks like a trend that nobody can figure out. And if it happens this year, when they ha- when they get Hopkins back, like if they go down after getting Hopkins back, right? Then then it's a thing. Because that you can't go down after you get Hopkins back after six
2: games. Yeah. I mean, at least last year, you could kind of point to the fact that Antoine Wesley, which, like, not for lack of trying, but he was being asked to play the DeAndre Hopkins role. And, right. uh, Antoine Wesley's not DeAndre Hopkins, you know? <laughs> like,
0: Freaking news. They,
2: I mean, maybe that's on Cliff for not adapting quick enough. Maybe that's on Kyler for not wanting to adjust his own play style, given the fact that his, uh, Safety blanket, Mr. Hopkins over there wasn't there last uh stretch run of the season, but like at a certain point, um, a few anecdotes kind of become a trend,
0: so
1: yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, there are good players here, right? Like, I mean, you know, it's interesting to see what they'll do with Rondale Moore after his he actually had more yards after the catch than actual yards last year.
1: (laughs) <laughs> right when you when you keep tossing the ball four yards in the backfield, you're gonna um, you're gonna have that.
0: We haven't hit the fact that AJ Green is old, and while he did bounce back some last year, uh, he is aging. That their offensive line is old, and while I think a guy like a Kelvin Beecham, like charting stats show that he's kind of underrated, mm-hmm. he's old and aging, and a lot of their guys are aging. So I just think there's a lot of Zach Ertz is aging, but there's a lot of questions about this team that I I think back up what the stats say, which is that they're the most likely team to sort of fall apart from last year.
1: It's a really randomly assembled, and last year was the same way, really randomly assembled, a bunch of guys who you would think are on, we're on the Super Bowl run together, like J.J. Watt and A.J. Green and all these guys like they're joining Tom Brady and going for no, they're they're joining Kyler Murray, but then there's all these these young players as well. And, you know, so it's like Sometimes the name recognition is better than what you see on the field. And also, like, when I – again, when I watch the – like, the play designs are, are brilliant. Like, I look at these plays, and it's like, this is fascinating the way they're doing this, the way they're doing this, really on offense and on defense. And then the results fall apart in December. And sometimes I wonder, is it just that now you've, you know, you've opened up your bag of tricks, and every other team is like, oh, here comes the double screen to Rondell Moore, and they're sitting on top of it. I don't know what it is, but it's it's still there. It's still prevalent. Hmm. You're right, Todd. That's right. Uh, Rondell Moore was very much the reverse screen, uh, uh, bubble screen, tunnel screen guy in college. He was phenomenal at it. He's very good at it now. Yeah, it's just an interesting usage pattern. Yeah. And uh, last year they had you, for- you know, so it was like two guys going like across the middle of the field. What do you have for us for props on Arizona? Uh, they're not good. Hold on, let me. They're get not that interesting, that. huh? Uninteresting props. We'll go through them real fast cardinals over 9.5 at plus
0: 165 yeah i mean i'm no i'm mr pessimism about this team so no
1: okay well this one might be better under 7.5 at plus 195.
0: our simulation probably loves that as a value bet Hmm.
1: Hmm.
2: i mean if you only got 7.7 mean wins and the line is there for i mean that sounds like it's roughly like one in three
0: at least 40% of the time and that line is, you know, 33% or better. Yeah. It's a good value. No, the props are not good. (laughs) (laughs) Does not good refer to the props of the Cardinals? You know, I'm sitting here dissing on this team over and over again. I feel like they're a little bit better than we're making them sound, but they also have a harder schedule and they're in a tough division. Well, with an asterisk of whatever Seattle's doing at quarterback, what used to be a tough division still has the Rams and 49ers.
2: Yeah. yeah. Although fantasy wise might not be the worst thing, uh, given what we're projecting for the defense. I mean, they already play it fast and yeah. it's gonna be on Murray's shoulders. So there
1: there are a lot of married bets, prop bets where people want to look at them because a lot of them are like three thousand five hundred and ninety-nine rushing yards and four hundred. I don't like doing them on the podcast because it takes five minutes to say them. But if you're interested in fantasy type prop bets, there are a lot of them at the Cardinals, and you might find one you like.
0: A.J. Green is a little underrated by ADP, according to our projections, because while he is aging, he's going to get his. Like, I realize yeah. there's not a lot of upside there, but if you want, like, a steady guy who can fill in in bye weeks and stuff, like, you can do a lot worse than A.J. Green this year. Okay. Okay. Um, before we leave the show, let's answer Thorne's question. Any thoughts on the news that Dwayne Brown has signed with the Jets? Uh, My thought is that now, whenever they plan to move a guy, I think about Jeff Schwartz talking about his experiences and that it's harder to move around the offensive line than you think it is.
1: Right. And they're going to move Fant, right? They're not going to move Brown. No, I I would expect that they're so happy with how Fant played last year that they
0: would move Brown. I don't – I mean – I. They, I mean, they they weren't going to move
1: Fant for Becton. They weren't. Becton used to be the left tackle, and they were going to move Becton to the right side to leave Fant on the left. But Dwayne Brown can hold the contract up and say, "What position am I playing, guys?" Becton can't.
0: Oh, I don't think he's gotten that. I don't. I'm sure his this contract is not that big. Let me. Let me yeah, he. On this point.
2: Yeah, he declined a little bit last year. I mean, he is getting old too. Uh, it's funny that uh, the Jets are kind of collecting former Seahawks linemen. Um, although maybe the addition of Brown allows George Fant to shine again as a pass catching threat. Uh, they did throw to Fant one time, I believe, or maybe there were two times, one completion, uh, when they, the Seahawks would use Fant as a sixth offensive lineman. So
0: yeah. Yeah. I I agree (laughs) with you that logically, especially based on what Jeff has said about moving. I, I believe the quote is that it's like wiping your butt with the other hand. Um, I don't remember if that's his quote or somebody else's, but that's what it's like moving from left tackle to right tackle. That's difficult. Uh, Fant has played right tackle before. Yeah. So logically, it might make sense to have Fant on the right side and Brown on
1: the left side. But
0: I don't know. They really like Fant on the left side.
1: Brown has played left tackle his entire career. Per Rich Semeny, uh, it's a two to be determined situation as to who plays on which side as of right now. I'm guessing it's have to be determined fast because they gotta get them ready for the season. But I have a funny feeling you're going to see Fant be the one who moves. We'll we'll, we'll say, yeah. but a good
0: signing, I think. They had to replace Beckett. Oh, yeah. This is the best tackle that's out there. Yeah, this is a good signing by the Jets Agreed. if they want to compete this year. We can argue about whether they are going to be competitive this year. Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, but. <laughs> If they want to be competitive this year, they needed another
1: tackle. So good yeah, and sign. Cool. And if you want to get a read on Wilson and keep him alive, you needed this You guy. need a better tackle.
0: Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you all for joining us today. Uh, old Hetty 403 asking what teams are up next. Next week is NFC South week. We will be back on Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern with, I believe, Tuesday is the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints. With Brian Knowles and me and Mike. And then Thursday is the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Bradies. Again, with me and Mike and Brian Knowles. 1 p.m. next Tuesday and Thursday. Again, thank you all so much for watching and listening. Again, please tell your friends about the show. Please like and subscribe to the show, whether you're listening on the podcast network or watching us on YouTube or Twitch. And we're here Tuesday and Thursday at 1 p.m. for the next three weeks. And then we get into our in-season schedule where we will have shows every day. More about that to come. Uh, Thank you all again. Thank you, Carl, for joining us for your first uh, podcast live stream. Of course. We will see you all Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern to talk NFC South. See you then.